You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Listen up, our managemental loyal listeners. We are excited to announce that this podcast is a member of Jabberjaw Media. Jabberjaw Media is an independent talk and entertainment podcast network. Just this month, Jabberjaw added five new podcasts to the network, including three new music-based podcasts, Poor Taste, a cocktail-focused podcast, and Too Old to Date, a scripted comedy podcast based in New York City. These shows add to the already amazing roster of music-based shows, which have been a part of the network since its inception. Head on over to JabberjawMedia.com for more information on all of the shows. Are you looking for a new set of scrims or a backdrop for your live show? What about merch flags to have at your merch table or online store? Artistflags.com has the lowest pricing and the best quality around. Their prices start at $119 and they can work with you to keep your budget in mind while helping you choose the best material and sizes for your band. Use the coupon code MENTALFLAG to get $30 off your next order. I've personally used them to get flags for Darkest Hour, scrims for Lorna Shore, and many other artists in recent years. So thank you to artistflags.com. So head on over and use the coupon code MENTALFLAG, M-E-N-T-A-L-F-L-A-G, for $30 off your next order. Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of the Managemental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. Yes, the struggle is real, my friends, but let us help you uncover some of the mystery that is this challenging business of rock and roll. I'm your host. Mr. Blasco, and I am super stoked to be here today. As always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, a record label owner, fellow artist manager, and all-around swell guy, Mr. Mike Mowry. Hello, hello. Thanks again for having me. It's funny how you pull out that last little thing each and every time, and somehow I feel like you're... You ever get that thing where you're having a conversation and you talk about something and then the next time you you know your phone is nearby and the next time you go and look at Facebook or you know whatever the thing you were talking about is right there first and foremost um, it's almost like your phone is listening I feel like you're listening because I recorded an episode of O Marks the Spot the Outer Loop podcast that we do just yesterday and I was using a metaphor talking about surfing and talking about a swell and uh I think for some reason, Blasco, you're, you're honing in and listening to what I'm doing. So, um. <laughs> I, I admittedly do troll your Instagram for, uh, you know, for, for some uh, tidbits. So, you know, maybe that's it. In the last episode, we talked about some music business myths. It was a really fun episode, so check it out if you haven't already. Today, I thought it would be cool to dig into the subject of crowdfunding and some tips on how to successfully run one. 
Mike most recently had a great success with the Darkest Hour crowdfund campaign, so we will discuss that as well. I found this article written on Hypebot.com by Leah Waldo titled 10 Tips to Run a Successful Crowdfunding Campaign. As usual, we will post all relevant links to the article and the author in the show notes. This is going to be radical, so let's get mental. So, Mike, what is new in your world? You know, the weather is changing, which uh, is nice. Spring is upon us, but with that... comes allergy season and i gotta admit it's been a really 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 busy time on the back half of south by you know it's always great we've talked about it in a couple past episodes you know i like to go down make a lot of new connections but you know you're making those just brief introductions maybe you're trading a business card or you know firing one another an email on the spot and then you want to do a little bit further you know digging into what the other person is doing so this week is, uh, you know, amidst all of the other workload, it's been a lot of new relationships, both on the podcast front, which has been fantastic, as well as on the music side. So feeling great, bro. What about you? Excellent. Once again, reminds me, I got to do some research on pulling up some ideas for a networking uh, episode, which I think would be awesome. But yeah, man, just rocking and rolling, you know, trying to keep it all afloat. Anyway, we have talked a lot about getting record deals on the podcast, you know, which is something people like to hear about. But maybe that isn't an option right now. And if it isn't, maybe crowdfunding an album or an EP is a good option. I found an article written by Leah Waldo on HypeBot.com on the subject of successfully running a crowdfunding campaign. So she begins the article like this. Once you've got your music ready to go, the cost of making a record may quickly cause you to turn to crowdfunding, but doing so successfully is no easy task and will necessitate massive amounts of persistence and hard work. Crowdfunding is great for direct-to-fan artists, and many have run extremely successful campaigns that have helped launch their careers. But be warned... Running a successful campaign is a lot of work and requires dedication, persistence, and a healthy dose of charm. Mike, you're a charming guy. Would you attest to uh, what she's saying here? Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure we will get into it once we dive into these 10 steps, but I got to echo what she's saying. It is not for the faint of heart. These things oftentimes take much longer from inception to full completion and we will talk about that with this most recent example darkest hours crowdfund but yeah you got to be prepared to wage a very long battle but if done correctly the rewards are magnificent before we get into the top 10 just to break down what potential platforms are out there for people to use it would be like indiegogo kickstarter pledge music like what like is there am i missing one which ones did you guys use i don't know if you're missing one those are the three in my mind and when i first did a crowdfund which was probably three to four years ago we used kickstarter that was when kickstarter had come up it was sort of the you know kleenex or xerox name meaning you know it was synonymous with crowdfunding then 
through you know some relationship building, we, I found that Indiegogo at the time had somebody who specialized in music. So Indiegogo was giving a little bit more attention, and you know, in anything that you do, you want to have somebody that that knows you know your specific market to give you you know potential feedback in advance. You name it. Pledge, who I haven't used, is an interesting organization because they do crowdfund campaigns, but that's not the only thing that they do. So you could run, you know, just a standard quote unquote pre-order via them. And I'm actually setting one up that way now. The other interesting thing, you know, about all of them is they each have ways that you can choose what happens if you don't reach your goal or if you do reach your goal. You know, both Kickstarter and Indiegogo, let's say you set a goal of $50,000 and you come up short, you could you know, if you set it where it had to, you had to reach that amount for it to take place, then if you, if you did come up short, you know, obviously the, the whole thing would, would go away. And, and at times there are actually reasons that you may want to do that. And we can get into that a little bit. And then pledge is interesting because they don't actually publish the amount of money you are going for. They only list it as a percentage. So if you were asking for a hundred thousand dollars, and you know today we went and looked at it and you know you'd raise 15,000 it would just say 15%. So there's a lot of psychology that goes into all of these things and it really depends on your band, your situation, you know, the state of the market I guess. So I'm I'm excited to dig in. It's something that I'm pretty passionate about. I never remember the number but we've done at least a handful if not more successful crowdfund campaigns over here. So her number one tip Grow your email list and social media followers. I mean, you know, this is with anything that you're trying to do to promote, of course, you know, and you want to focus on that stuff and make sure that you spend time thinking about your strategy. And when we launch these, we're thinking about, you know, with each of these campaigns, you can set a different amount of time. I think the minimum might be 15 days, but you know, typically in my mind, the minimum that we want to go is 30 days. You can have it 60 or even 90. But, you know, you want to think about what you're going to do marketing wise over the, you know, the length of the campaign. And you want to have different scenarios. I've run campaigns out thinking this is going to take a full 30 day slog to get there. And within the first 24 hours, we funded it. And then, you know, you got to change what you're thinking and vice versa. I've thought that we'd fund it within 24 to 48 hours and we had to continue to market it throughout the length of the campaign. So going in before any of that, you got to build every which way that you, you know, communicate and engage with your fans. Yeah. I mean, to add to this real briefly, um, I feel like people bands tend to overlook the power of the email list. There are some platforms out there like a uh, fan bridge to help build an email list, but I just don't want to gloss over the fact that I feel like email lists are very important to start building early on in your career. Social media is great. Obviously you need to build that too, but at the end of the day, those platforms could disappear tomorrow and you wouldn't have access to those people anymore. Whereas if you start collecting email addresses, those are yours. So I'm just going to say that. Number two, set a realistic goal. Yeah, I mean, this is paramount to to success is what is realistic. And, you know, that can be challenging. I think the beauty now is there have been enough 
campaigns that you should be able to identify at least one, if not two, but maybe even a handful of other artists who, you know, are roughly your same size, hopefully roughly your same demographic who have, you know, run a campaign. And so you would want to go and research and look at, you know, what their goals have been and what's realistic. We spend a lot of time with that, you know, with Darkest Hour, there was a ton of psychology that went into it. And I, you know, I know I mentioned that some of the campaigns get funded much quicker than we thought and some longer, you know, I'm typically, especially with an established artist. And I know, you know, a lot of the people that listen to us, you know, a, they are industry professionals, but you know, a lot of newbies and up and comers, as you like to say. So, you know, the strategy is going to, going to differ there, but with an established act, I'm typically trying to set a goal that I think we can hit within the first 24 to 48 hours, if not a week. So again, this is, you know, to me, key. If you can't figure out what a realistic goal is, I wouldn't even start. Yeah, I mean, like a realistic goal. I mean, if you're on a platform where if you don't reach your goal, it doesn't get funded. If you're on a platform like that, that's a problem, right? If you don't if you don't hit your goal, you kind of look like like you didn't plan out, you didn't think through what you were doing. Whereas if you set like a more realistic goal or a lower lower goal, if you make more money than your goal is, that's not a problem. <laughs> it's not like it's not like you have to give that money back, you know. No, no right, now let me let me just interrupt for a second. I mean, the reason that sometimes you might want to make it where if you don't reach your goal, the project doesn't go through is there's a cost of goods associated with everything that you're going to produce. So, you know, if you're offering vinyl and the minimum that you're going to create hopefully is like a hundred and only 50 people come through, you don't want to have that obligation necessarily to go make vinyl for each of those people because the money that's come in won't even cover, you know, what it, what it costs to create, you know, the minimum runs. So that's where I'm actually in the middle of working on something with Pledge where it has to get to a certain amount because of this reason. We're creating something really cool that's going to cost money in order to make it worth our while. Yep. Number three, identify potential donors outside of your email list and social media followers. Yeah, of course. I mean, this again, and I've watched this happen you know, and I think we talked about this in one of the last few episodes, parents, <laughs> friends, friends mm. of parents, you name it, people who might not go buy your CD or might not go to your web store and buy your CD if you went through a traditional route and they have, you know, a desire to support you and see your project come to fruition. So I think, you know, there are a lot of different types of people that you can you can go to in order to, you know, outside of your existing following. Yes. Number four, make a compelling video that tells your story. Yeah. I mean, if anyone out here in podcast land viewed the protest, the hero crowdfund, which on Indiegogo, at least for metal genre has to have been, you know, the most successful campaign, I believe, you know, their goal might've been a hundred thousand bucks. And I know they, they finished well over $300,000, but you know, those guys, they've got a really, you know, great sense of humor and made a, a fantastic video. And, you know, who knows exactly what went 
you know, into it. They already had a great following, and of course their fans wanted to support them, but you would imagine that the video really helped with that. And and so I've had to really work with many of our artists to make sure that we have something of great quality. And you want to describe why you're doing it, you know, what is the benefit of supporting you at this point. And of course, you know, keep it relatively brief. You don't want a 10-minute video that somebody's not going to get through. So there's plenty of great examples, just like anything when you research a campaign, look at the ones that have worked and mimic those and the ones that haven't worked obviously try to shy away from yeah i mean this is a real opportunity on these on these platforms on your landing page to make your video really fun really engaging really interesting don't just make it some like thing where you're just like got your hand out you know like oh please give us money so that we can make a record and chase our dreams it's like man like no one wants to hear that like do something really fun that really speaks to your audience and and it's a game changer you know it really can be number five don't sell yourself short yeah i mean this ties into a realistic goal and there's things that you can and should be looking at. You should have an Excel sheet and looking at what your perks are, which, you know, we'll talk about that in the next step. But, you know, and, and artists are afraid sometimes, you know, I, f- I find them very scared to to put too big of a number out there. I mean, of course, you know, you're exposing yourself. No matter what level you're on as an artist, it can be scary to, you know, to associate a pretty big number with you know, with your band, but I, I do think that, you know, you really gotta, you gotta go for it in these situations. You gotta, like I said, you know, you gotta bring an arsenal to this and make sure that if you're capable of getting 25 grand, you know, don't go in at half that. Yeah. And to reiterate what you were saying earlier about cost of goods, don't underprice your items to where it's not profitable. Like, so on an item per item basis, as an example, the one that has like the CD, it's like, oh, this one, this this item is the is the CD, and we autographed it or whatever, right? And you price that at like ten dollars. If the cost of the CD itself is five dollars, and the cost of shipping the thing is another five dollars, you haven't made any money. Therefore, the idea of crowdfunding is a totally mute point. Yeah, completely. And with Darkest Hour, you know, those guys are all spread throughout the U.S. And we ran into this situation a little bit. And you had a wild card of eventually we did a license deal with a label. And the label helped with the manufacturing. The label's based in California. They ship all the stuff cross-country so, you know, the band can sign it all. And then they got to ship it back. So, you know, we, we did to some extent think about some of that stuff, but some of it's just, you know, not controllable. There will always be variables. I think from my end, and we'll talk about this, you know, in the next one as well, is also making sure that your items are priced correctly uh, for the fan. So we can move on to the next step there. Yeah. And once again, too, just to reiterate, anything like that you're doing, like a physical product, I cannot stress enough to check the shipping. Shipping is not cheap at all. It's surprising how expensive shipping is. In a lot of instances, 
the cost to ship it is more than the cost of the actual item. So make sure that you do your research on, on shipping charges. Yeah, great point. And most of them, I, I know Indiegogo allows you to add shipping on and allows you to do it by region. So you can and should estimate exactly what those things will cost and then put that in. And, you know, that also helps with the psychology. If you've got a $15, you know, signed CD with a digital download and it's going to cost five bucks to ship, you can add that on you know, at the end, much like any merch store, if you and I, you know, go over to a band's merch store and see a shirt for 20 bucks, you know, then the four ninety nine shipping gets added on at the end. So set it up correctly. Yep. Number six, don't give too many options. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, great as well. I think what we have found our experience is the true like bread and butter things, just like if you're doing a normal pre-order, the CD shirt package, the vinyl shirt package, you know, and those things are signed and maybe they've got a poster, you know, that's making up 75, 80, sometimes even 90% of the total packages that are purchased. It's great if you've got the demand and, and you know, you want to get creative and offer up a pizza party with the band but for 2000 bucks, you might have a super fan that does it. But again, if you come back to a $50,000 campaign, I mean, that's 125th of your overall goal. And sometimes you think, oh, cool, we can add a whole bunch of these things. And we're a guitar-driven band, so let's add a guitar thing. And we, let's add a drum thing and whatever. Sometimes it is overkill. So it is important to keep things down. Yeah, look, know your audience. You know, this is a this is a good indicator of knowing your fans. I do think that you know keeping it simple is is the smart way to go for someone brand new. But if you're a little bit more established, you know, know your audience. You know, kind of have an idea of what they're willing to do. Number seven, make your fans feel like they are on the journey with you. Of course. I mean, this is really the key because they will be on a journey with you. And when crowdfunding first came out, you know, so many people, especially in the underground genres that, you know, you and I come from and oftentimes work with artists that are on the fringes, it was almost like, why is this band asking for a handout? And, you know, why would we give the band a bunch of money to to do this? Because, that's not ever the way that it's been done in the past. But then through education, and again, I, I think Protest the Hero did a good job. They went through and explained where all of their money was going. You know, people saw that, you know, that budget really did make sense. It wasn't as if they were putting hundreds of thousand dollars directly in their pockets and taking advantage of their fans. They were recording a record, you know, doing all the things that you would do if you got a normal album advance. And then, of course, the manufacturing dime is on you you know you're the artist now so it is a journey and you want to ensure that your fans understand that you know they are supporting you from start to finish yeah don't make your fans feel like customers especially early on i mean this is this is when you're building your your base this is you know this is the foundational period of what it is that you're doing and if these people are helping you create funding to build your dreams Take them along for the ride. You know, don't just make them feel like 
thanks for the dough and fuck off, you know? Yeah. And there's, Uh, you know, there's great ways to do that. And, you know, again, we'll talk about it in the next step, but these are the people that should get information first and foremost. Obviously you're still, you know, if you're an active band, you're still running things on your social media and your other things that require engagement. You want to get your fans the information first and foremost with Darkest Hour. You know, every time we ended up publicly premiering a song or, you know, any of the studio content or, you know, they did a podcast related to it, we made sure that, you know, our Indiegogo list got it at least 24 hours in advance of the general public. Yeah. I think we can combine number eight and number nine. Number eight, keep in touch. Number nine, be grateful. Yeah, the keep in touch thing, you know, also ties in with number seven. You know, they are on the journey and part of that journey is keeping them apprised of what, you know, you're up to, what you're doing. I think what oftentimes happens is an artist starts their campaign and then, you know, there's a, I think it's, you know, a projected fulfillment date and artists are afraid to set that date too far out. You know, if you're starting your campaign in April and it's funded by May, you want your loyal fans that are supporting you to presumably have the product in hand, you know, in September or October. But sometimes that's not realistic. You know, with Darkest Hour, again, we did the funding. Once we got that number, we were searching around for producers. Producers have their own schedules. You know, we ended up delaying you know, I think we did set a September or October fulfillment date. And ultimately, it turned out to be Feb, March. That was fine. We kept the fans apprised every step of the way. Hey, this is why things are getting pushed back. We just locked in Kurt Ballou to produce. You know, hey, this is why we're not manufacturing the product just yet. We are out on tour, you know, or we are in the process of signing a license deal that, you know, allows us to have greater exposure. And because we kept them you know, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have some disappointment. There can always be disappointment um, from a fan or 10. But ultimately, that's just what happens in, (laughs) you know, in any of our lives. So keeping them in touch, and of course, thanking them, you know, like you said, being grateful. Yeah, the good thing is, is these platforms are set up and encourage constant communication. And let me tell you something, man, fans are awesome and respectfully communicate with them they'll understand like you like you were saying how you guys were communicating and like oh th- this is taking long because it took us a minute to lock in our producer like don't ignore them like be respectful like they'll re- be respectful back they understand that this is a process and ma- make them you know take them along for the ride make them part of the process communicate with them be respectful all those things are really important to to building a brand and a career and a, and a foundation you know early on it's really really important final number 10 if at first you don't succeed try and try again i'm gonna pick a bone with this one i think you have to pull out all stops to ensure that you succeed and if you don't it'd be really hard to go back and attempt to you know do the same method once again you should be 
and again, you can't account for everything, but there's enough information out there. There's enough successful campaigns that have already happened that you really should be able to go and set something up. And if you do all these other steps and if you don't have success, I would lay off. I agree with you. And I'll add to that is like, look, these platforms are set up to be flexible. So I would say like, pay attention, do the best that you can to set up a campaign that will be successful. But if while the campaign is running, you're surprisingly seeing a different outcome, like maybe maybe a package isn't selling as much as another package, that's what your fans are there for. That's why you communicate, hey, what do you think the problem is with this? And you can go back in and you can change things. Maybe you need to add something. Maybe you need to add an item. Maybe you need to drop the price on an item. You know, Be flexible and roll with it as as it presents itself right that's what i would add to that that. yeah i think you're right and i don't want to get too into the weeds i don't think you can actually change the prices of your offerings once you're live i know on indiegogo you can't but they do allow you to you know i think there's a set number that you can do over the life of your campaign whether it's 10 or 12 so they always encourage don't start with the maximum number you know allow yourself to have two that you can switch it up what they do allow you to do i believe is change the time so let's say we started with a 30-day campaign and we realize you know 30 days is going to be challenging you can extend it if you know if you think that that's worthwhile you know these things look like a half pipe in a sense meaning out of the gate there's a big spike and then it goes down and then you plateau at some point and then coming towards the end you ride back up and you end up with a big spike at the end so don't get you know freaked out if with a week left or five days left you know you're still 20 to 30 percent away from your goal you know the one thing that we didn't touch on here that i think is vitally important you know you have to have a certain fan base in order to really do this it's not to say that you can't but i remember i I did try this once with a developing artist that didn't have an established fan base and it was a lot of hard work and I don't know who exactly funded it in the end but I'm guessing a couple parents and grandparents pulled out the credit cards to make it so it worked and our goal was was low and relatively realistic but you know you do have to have a following of people who are going to support you in order to even give this a shot. Yeah, I mean, look, that's, yeah, that's probably should have been uh, tip zero. You know, again, I mainly mention that because, you know, the audience that you and I are attempting to truly cater to are the developing artists. And so I would hate for a developing artist who's got a great product and is smart enough, you know, to run one of these campaigns to go in and and do something that I, I you know, I, I just don't think is the best move out of the gates. There's plenty of other things, you know, that we can talk about in future episodes and have probably touched on a little bit in past episodes that work for developing artists, but I just I'd hate for somebody to listen to this, say, Oh my god, Mike and Blasco nailed this thing. I'm gonna go do it and not have, you know, the fan base in order to to have it succeed. Yeah, I mean look, go back to like you know, number one and two, one, make sure that you've got some followers and you're building an email list. You've got contacts, you've got friends and family. And then number two, set a realistic goal based on the amount of followers and friends and family and email addresses that you have. Right. So look, in conclusion, 
crowdfunding may or may not be the a path that is right for you, but it's an option that's out there. So if it feels like something that is, it's you know it's definitely worth exploring before you jump in head first. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is something that I think is cool and I think it's a fantastic tool. So many great tools have emerged that give artists, you know, presumably more control, but with control requires work. And that's, you know, the first and foremost thing that, you know, she said, and, you know, still to this day, here we are well over a year after we launched Darkest Hours campaign. And there's still a lot of follow-up. Certain people didn't get you know, certain items from their packages that they were expecting. And we're still doing customer service slash damage control on it. And yeah, it's frustrating, but it's part of what we signed up for. And so, you know, we're sticking with it and, you know, doing it as best we can because, you know, the fans of the band really did come to the table for them. So yeah, right on. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. Because, hey, people, we do this show for you. Consider it a tool for understanding this ever-so-challenging and confusing business of music. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, any final parting thoughts? First and foremost, want to be grateful and thank you for continuing to find great articles for us to discuss. I'm having a blast doing this. For those of you out there who want to follow me on Twitter and Instagram, it's just at Mike O'Loop. We would encourage you, if you are enjoying this podcast, to rate and review us wherever you may listen to podcasts. I listen to them in the iTunes app on my iPhone, so that's where I would do it. But if you're listening elsewhere, please don't hesitate to do that. And lastly, I just you know want to say thanks to everybody that's signed up for my coaching series, 60 Days to Signable. It's going incredibly well. It's going to run. Wednesdays from April 19th to June 7th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Space is limited. We are expecting it to sell out. So if you're serious about your bands or your personal success, there's no time like the present. Head on over to signup.outerloopcoaching.com for more information. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Are you interested in what it takes to get the attention of record labels, managers, and other industry professionals who can help your band grow? Let me, Mike Mowry, the CEO of Outerloop, guide this incredibly challenging journey for you. For the first time ever, I am opening up my extensive experience and knowledge base to aspiring musicians in an educational capacity. 60 Days to Signable is the course, which will run Wednesday evenings from April 19th to June 7th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Space is limited, and we expect this to sell out quickly. If you're serious about your bands or personal success, there is no time like the present. Visit outerloopcoaching.com signup for all the information that you need.
This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are the Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 